My name is Bob, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Bob. I phoned my sponsor today and said I may be speaking tonight. Didn't know for sure. And uh, said I had spoke with most of you before. And what did he think? He said, just remember that 10 seconds from the heart's better than 10 minutes from the head. So we'll try and make this my feelings. Uh, the easiest part when you're asked to talk is to go into a drunk log. I'll try very much not to. But I'll spend a few minutes uh, being raised in Canada. We were, as far as roads and travel, uh, we were at, at least 100 years behind the U.S. when I grew up. I went to school on a horse wow. and um, for nine years and... I believe that I got more education in the school barn than I did in the school, and not all of it sweet. Uh, raised in an Irish, raised in a Polish community, uh, I learned to fight. <clears throat> and the good Lord didn't make us all equal, but he made equalizers, and that's how you survive. Uh, the... Polish-Ukrainian people in our community also made dandelion wine by the barrel. And I have the honor of honor of being kicked out of Boy Scouts for being drunk on dandelion wine. I guess I was 11, 12 years old. Um, my parents... My father was 60 when I was born, and um, wonderful, wonderful parents. Dirt poor, just wonderful, wonderful people. So um, I quit school when I was 14 and went to work in the oil field. <coughs> I spent 55 years in the oil field. Uh, and I, I, I started out uh, making beds, scrubbing floors, dishes, and for lack of words, climbed the corporate ladder till I, the one year I had a 300, I was responsible for a $365 million budget, a million bucks a day. And that came from working hard and, and climb myself. And, and it says in our book, that when we get rid of the fog that we are capable of great great things uh, it, the, the fight to climb the corporate ladder it, I, I believe it was a mistake because I was raised in the country I lived in the bush I lived in the north remote areas. When I was about 16, I interject here, 16, 17 years old, we would go into what we called a camp job. The only time you could work there is in the winter time. So, so when it froze in the fall, 
we would go to work in this camp job and never go to town, any town, for five months. Just stay back in the bush, and when we come out in the spring, oh, uh, big, big. I say we, it seemed to be a way of life. But climbing the corporate ladder, I spent 11 years on the 20th floor, and uh, very unhappy. Just, you know, I'm making great money. Uh, expense account, company car, living the good life. Uh, tickets to hockey games, tickets to national finals rodeo, uh, paid vacations, and I remember visiting people that I worked with, and I'd go to their house, and Jesus, that sucker's on the take because his house is full of booze. Now, he's really on the take, and I realized since I sobered up that I was just as much on the take. It never got home. I drank it. Uh, it just never got home. Um, the climb up the ladder, and I call it flying low, um, it was like a big ball that started rolling like a merry-go-round that I couldn't get off of. Uh, I, I didn't have the money problems, a wonderful wife and family, and I finally drank them up. And uh, she's a nurse, still nurses, just a princess, and I blew it. And uh, then one day, one day when I was still flying low, the drilling manager came in and said, Bob, we're going to have to demote you. You've got to do something with your personal life. What is your problem? Because I don't have one. And uh, so that didn't cost me my income, but it cost me my status. They knocked the skids out from under me. And uh, so I went to see a shrink and came uh, my first contact with AA. And I phoned, uh, I, uh, the first contact was in, if I remember right, 75, 74, 75. And I was drunk in downtown Calgary, <clears throat> middle of the night. And I phoned AA. I must have got it out of the book. And I realize now that it, I got a hold of central office and got an answering service, but they asked me if I needed help. <laughs> you think, do you think I called just to pass the time of day? Like, and I hung up. Because uh, uh, it didn't seem to me that this person was going to be able to help me. And I went back to drinking and working. In 1980, I was dating a girl in northern Alberta. Uh, I also had a wife at that time, but she was in southern Alberta. Uh, and she said, what are you doing tonight? 
I just, well, I don't know. She said, would you like to go to a meeting? Sure, I'll go to a meeting. But I honestly did not know and did not realize that it was an AA meeting. And near the end of the meeting, they asked me if I'd like to, to talk. And all I can remember, I, I don't remember any words in that meeting. I just remember this. And they asked me to talk, and I, I, my thoughts were, there's no point in me talking because if I tell them my story, they'll all go back drinking. I know they will. <laughs> and then that that was it for AA and that girlfriend for a while. <laughs> and then <coughs> in uh, in '87, um, still had a job, still the same company. In '87 is when I had the quote nervous breakdown. And I've told most of you folks that I, I had two ladies, a girlfriend that had enough of me, and her friend, who ended up being my, who was my future sponsor's wife. And I had them in this little office. The three of us were in this little office. And I had these, this gun. And I really think, I don't believe in coincidence, and the big fella was there for me, as I call him, the big fella. And, and they, I remember one of them going to the phone. Oh, by the way, my first sponsor's name is Bill, the big man. And uh, he had been working on me for about a year, but he'd say, are you... Are you ready? And I said, no, I'm not ready. I don't need that stuff. And uh, the girls, one of them went to the phone. And I, I don't blame them now. But I said, what are you doing? And then we're going to phone for an ambulance. And I knew if they phoned for an ambulance, the cops were coming and the straitjacket was coming. And I said, don't do it. Because if you phone for that ambulance, they're going to bring the cotton handcuffs and nobody puts them on me. And if they get here, there will be a hell of a mess. And I meant that I was going to kill somebody, myself included. And they they said, what do you want? And I said, get Bill. This was the one lady's husband. And... Uh, I was underneath the table. I, I tell this all the time. I was underneath this table, somewhat like this, and bawling and trying to plug the wrong size shells into a rifle to blow my head off. And um, Bill showed up, and he stood in the. He comes through the doorway, and he stood in the doorway, and he's big enough to fill it. He's my best friend. He saved my life. And everybody's bawling, including me, and he's standing there grinning. And he said, are you ready yet? There was nothing I could say but, yeah, I'm ready. Do I not look like I'm ready? 
and and then everything. I'm sure that you folks understand. Everything was confusing. I was totally confused, and and the ladies left. And Bill asked me what I wanted to do, and uh, I said I want to go to the mountains, and uh, I'll take a sleeping bag and just sleep under a tree somewhere. I, I just want to go out to the mountains. He said, "Do you want me to go?" I said, "No, I'll I'll go myself, but please check my truck because there might be another gun in it, and I don't want any guns." And there was five. Uh, there was five. Rifles and shotguns, and like it's really, really hard to miss with a shotgun point blank. And so, why I needed extras, I don't know. But I went out and spent the night in, in sleeping under a tree and enjoying. And I came down out of the hills in the morning and went to Bill's place for coffee in the morning, and then. Uh, he gave me my first big book and a highlighter. And he said, you read what? And I want to go to a meeting. In the oil field, everything's done now. I want to get this done. I haven't got time. i got to get back and go to work. So whatever it takes, let's get it done so I can get on with my life. He wouldn't take me to a meeting. Uh, he made me wait three weeks. But he made me read the big book, and I'd say, are we going to a meeting? Uh, not yet, not yet, read that book. And uh, and highlighted, I still have my original book, and it's just about all green. <laughs> he said to highlight just what pertained to me. The whole, the whole, I, sh- I should have just painted this. Uh, and then finally come time to go to my first meeting, I was nervous, ho, ho, ho. And it was downstairs. And it seems to me that, as you folks know, I, I go to meetings all over North America. Most meetings you go downstairs. And I figure, well, you've got to get to the bottom before you can come back up. And I said, I need... Like Bill and I are going to go to this meeting. He, I said, well, where do you want me to pick you up? Or what do you want? To? No, I said, just go ahead. I'll be along. What he was doing was making me be responsible. Because uh, uh, he knew me so well. And uh, anyway, I went to this meeting and I'm sneaking around like I don't see him anywhere. And I think, he's not coming. So finally, it's D-Day. So I head downstairs in this meeting, and oh God, I was shaken and scared, and, and which I'm sure you understand. <laughs> I got down and sat down, here he come. He was, he was hiding, watching me. I'm hiding, looking for him. <laughs> and he won. And and that's what got me to my first meeting. Uh, which brings me to the steps, I think. Uh, uh, with the com- for with the company that I worked for, 
uh, I stayed with them till from 87 till 96 and got an early retirement package. Uh, I had lots of comments about uh, what did you do that made you change because you're a different person. And I felt, um, I, I've always felt good about that. And they gave me, uh, where they were going to fire me in 87, uh, when they kicked me out of there in 96, they gave me a half a million dollars tax protected and full benefits for life. And the only reason I got that is because I put the plug in the jug, because I was about to be gone. And uh, so I'm very grateful to them for that. And I, I left 20, 28 years. I walked out on a Friday. I bought my company car. I walked out of there on Friday, and I walked across the plus 15 to get pick up this car and go home. And I was... Yeah. I went back to work Monday as a consultant for the same company. <laughs> and I worked uh, another 10 years and then said, I've had enough. Uh, one little story, when, when, when I was consulting, I was out in the field where I belonged, sleeping in pickup trucks, and I, I, I loved it. And they brought me into the office because they're short-handed. And the fellow that took my place, I, I was working for him. He said, I want you to come into the office for a short time because we're overloaded. I said, sure, as long as we understand what a short time is. No, no, just a few days. I there about th three weeks with the suit and tie on. And Mike came in and, and uh, he stood up and looked he said, you haven't got your report in on Thursday, and I want it. Is that right? And I'm grinning at him, and he's getting madder and madder and madder. He said, I'm the boss. Get that report to me. I said, Mike, you're only the boss as long as I let you be. I just quit. <laughs> now who's the boss? And, I, and he got mad. And I'm laughing. And finally he looked at me and he started to laugh too. We shook hands. I stayed another week and said, that's it. And then, then I retired. Uh, the steps. There are days when I could quote the steps word for word. And there are days when I'm hanging on to a piece of step one. But for me personally, as long as I don't take a drink, and God willing, I haven't had to yet, uh, I'm still a member of AA because of Tradition 3. I'm here because I want to be. And... Uh, I just have to live my life somewhere in, within the steps, my way of thinking. Excuse me. <clears throat> Where I'm at, I believe, with the steps today, the step one 
admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Lives had become unmanageable. I remember reading this when Bill gave me the book and thinking, unmanageable. I guess it's unmanageable, you know, like when you call yourself a big game hunter and you can't even load a gun. You know, like everything was, everything was a mess. And came to believe in a power greater than myself. Uh, I think I read the first four words, came, came to believe in a power. Well, I didn't have to come to believe in a power because I went to Sunday school. It was a good God. It was a good thing. So I thought, well, I've got that. This is the first day type of thing. And then made this decision to turn my will and life over the care of God as I understood him, and that was my first stumbling block. And... My problem was I didn't know why he would want me because of the Irish-English background and the religion that we went to, uh, the Sunday school and the church that I'd gone to as, as a youngster. Um, I had betrayed the trust in, in my mind. And I happened to be in a store one evening. I had, I've had in the last twenty some years, I've I've had quite a few happen to me things. And I, I was in this store killing time, going, getting ready to go to a meeting, an out of town meeting. And there was footprints on the wall, and I read footprints, and. Uh, I said, there's, there is step three. And uh, that worked at that time that, that God was there for me. He was with me all the time. And once I had those first three steps, and that didn't take very long, or I had my understanding of the first three steps, the next thing I thought of was my ex-wife and I attempted a step nine. As I say, I was oil field and I didn't have time to waste. So I <coughs> did what we did in the oil field because the money was just rolling, just rolling. Uh, I'll say that I, I went to work for forty-seven as a, an hour as a 14-year-old and was claiming 1800 to 2000 a day when I retired. <clears throat> and so that kind of money. So I phoned my ex-wife, first ex-wife, and uh, I, I got a big, big old hotel room in Edmonton city of two million. She agreed to meet me at the at the hotel and I had it all set up. I had my little dog with me that traveled with me all the time, a little terrier poodle. And she came through the door and and uh, sat down, the dog jumped up in her lap. I thought got her made. And uh, so I, I, I basically told her what was comfortable, 
for me to tell her. And uh, I said, that's it. Basically, uh, that's my story, and it wasn't complete, but it's all I wanted to divulge at that time. And she said, that's a pretty good story. If I were you, I'd stick with it, and I can still remember seeing her back end go that door. And I didn't think that would happen. So I had to go back, and I didn't go back drinking. So I got stuck on three steps. I couldn't write out step four. I could not put two words together. And I was at a meeting <coughs> at the Dixon Dam, snowing like crazy. And uh, we were on step four. And uh, actually, the first three steps, when I got to that point, probably took me a couple of months. And then step four was a couple of years later. And I, I said, I can't get step four. And I remember this lady looking at me and saying, if you can't get step four, you better have a look at step three. And so I, I went out to my car after the meeting. And it came to me that my God, I'd left him in the back seat. And I physically turned and said, please come and ride beside me. And uh, he still does. And, and I went home after the meeting and I wrote out a step four. And it just flowed. I've tried to rewrite my step four. I've tried to add to it. I still haven't. Uh, and it just seemed to me, and still seems to me, that all I would be doing is adding words, embellishing upon it, because the story is there for me. Again, I have to say, this this is how the steps are in my life. Step three, backing off again, the word that's the most important to me in our book is the word will. In step three, where I'm at now, Step three just told me to be willing to change. Become willing to change. Change your lifestyle. Uh, and, and, and start living. And, and so I've had, have, still have pretty good feeling about three and four. Uh, Step four done and needed to do a step five and, and I rode horses all my life and rodeoed and packed into the mountains and big game hunting and stuff like that. And I got a hold of a friend not in the program, liked, liked his rum, and, and I told him that I had this step five to do and would he like to be part of it? And very, very good friend. And uh, 
He said, sure. So I said, here, read my step four. Read part of this big book. Read about step five. And we went to the mountains and we rode... We went into the mountains here and came out here and it was ten days from here to here, horseback. And each night over uh, a campfire, I drank my tea and he'd have a couple of drinks of rum. Seems surreal, really. And um, I just poured it out, and he listened. And um, I've said at meetings, when we rode out of there, the mountains didn't crack and the rivers didn't run backwards. But life was better. Life was, I had a better outlook on life. Uh, and, and, and that lasted for a couple of years, uh, I was that. That was enough for a couple of years at that time, and the, and I and I stalled out on five. I thought, well, I'll have to go do it over again. So I made arrangements with a minister in a church to to do a a step five, and and I went in there with my step four. We did this this step five and. Pretty gut-wrenching. And I walked out, and I was walking down the pews on both sides. And um, if this is the closest that I've had to a spiritual experience, but I turned, and I went and sat down, and then kneeled down, and... And, and did my six. And, and I think five, six, and seven came together that weekend. And uh, again, uh, that is my one and only step four and step five that I have done. Then I... I humbly asked him to remove my shortcomings. That's pretty easy. Um, while I was kneeling, I, I did that. And then I had to improve upon my feelings and become more thankful, more willing. And then step eight, made a list of persons I had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. I just, I thought, well, I, I can I can just skip it because I don't feel like writing out this crap. And so I'll just go to nine. And it didn't work. So I went back and and worked my way through and and made the list, whether it's whether it's complete or not, it probably isn't. But the, the names that I can't remember, they don't remember me either. You know, it, it, uh, and, and so, step three, I became willing. And here in step eight, again, it reminded me, just be, just be willing and things will work. And so that, that's how I've done with my step nine. 
uh, my steps up to and including nine. Um, I don't know if I've made all my amends. I believe I have. Uh, I've had to make amends to Bob. Not easy. Uh, step 10, I call it, always have called it my oops step. Because when I screw up, not if I screw up, when I screw up, step 10 allows me to say, whoops, back off, start over. Um, I went and got a bucket of chicken today, and, and our program jumps out. I, I, I say I'm living in the promises. But the folks that worked at the chicken house were super busy. And there was a lady standing there and she was waiting just like the rest of us were and she was upset. And I'm sitting back there grinning. It's like, lady, I, and she finally gets her chicken and heads over to the table and she is da -da 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 at her poor children. And I'm thinking, man, there was a time that, like, I thought took ten minutes out of my life. It didn't affect nothing. But there was a time when I would have wanted to see the manager and broke something and, and it wouldn't have been good. So, so ten is my oops step. Eleven is prayer and meditation. Praying is talking, meditating is listening. I'm good at the talking part. Uh, I don't always listen. Um, Twelve uh, got it, give it away. I've never, and I use excuse, the excuse of I've never been in one place long enough to do what I call official 12-step to, to put my name out there for 24-hour call. But in my home group, um, we're just small, a little bigger than this group, but, but I help when I can. I've, uh, my youngest son, I've tried to help him. He's doing pretty good right now without me, and that's good. Um, the difference between him and me is I drove just as many miles drunk as he did, but I did it in a different era. And the era that I drank when there was no roads but just trails. Just drank till you needed to sleep and then you pulled over and slept. Well, he did the same thing but he was doing it on freeways. And so yeah. So he I have no idea how many times he lost his driver's license. But uh where I'm at today is I have my bad days. I still haven't got my wife back. 
I probably won't. Um, I had another wife in between there that I called the Barracuda. <laughs> and, yeah, did we record that? <laughs> and uh, she calls once a year, and uh, that's no great thrill. And that, that's, I believe, folks, is my story. Right right now, I, as long as the money and the health holds out, I'm, I'm going to keep spending part of my time in Arizona and part of it in Hawaii and the rest of it at home. Um, and just go to meetings wherever I'm at. And... Uh, I guess I better say I'm going to golf if it doesn't interfere with my meetings. <laughs> and uh, I said, thanks very much for being here for me. I feel it's very selfish. And thank you very much. Thanks, Bob. Thanks.